0: Good morning, welcome to Daily Cafe with Carter and Carrie on Unsafe Space. Today is Wednesday, August 28th, and we're glad you can join us. Thank you for sharing and liking and subscribing.
1: Yes, you said it, sort of. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> how are you doing today, Carrie? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing well. I know that uh, you're infuriated by something, which we'll talk about, but I, I wanted to share this clip, I know I, I uh, tweeted it and you saw it, but I'm going to share it with the audience because, Carrie, not all comedy has gone woke. and Oh, there's a backlash brewing. There's a backlash it's brewing. It's going to be great that Netflix... So actually, there's this... I, I'm wondering if there's going to be this war between Netflix and YouTube in some sense because Netflix is putting this out and letting it be there. no.
0: No, here's the dif- here's the thing. Netflix is super. They're just as woke as YouTube. The difference is this is Dave friggin' Chappelle.
1: So they're going to do it anyway and hold. You their don't notes. say no to Dave Chappelle. Yes. <laughs> well, all right. So for, should we play? Let me just play a clip of why I want to watch this Netflix. But I, this is like a weird advertisement for a guy that I've not really even followed. But uh, maybe I should. This is this is what comedy kind of should be. This is Dave Chappelle. It's a clip from his new Netflix special. And he is kind of jokingly saying, I'm, I'm going to try and do impressions. I don't usually do impressions. I'm going to do impressions. Just, oh, just play it. I'm going to play the second half. Oh, oh I see why. I, because okay. I don't want to get in trouble. Okay.
0: I thought you were explaining the first. Okay, I get why you're explaining the first part now. Go ahead. Thank you. (laughs) I was like, why is he telling the joke? Just play the joke.
1: He says he's going to do impressions. He says he only has two. He does the first one already. He's he's kind of joking about doing impressions in the first place. He does the first impression. We're going to play the second impression for you, uh, which demonstrates the way that comics should be handling woke culture, I think. The next one's a little harder. I want to see if you can guess who it is I'm doing an impression of. All right, let me
0: get into character. You gotta guess who it is, though. Okay, here it goes. Uh, Duh, hey, duh, if you do anything wrong in your life, duh, and I find out about it, I'm gonna try to take everything away from you. And I don't care what I find out. Could be
1: today, tomorrow, 15, 20 years from now, if I find out, you're fucking duh, finished. Who's that? That's you. That's what the audience
0: sounds like to me. That's why I don't be coming out doing comedy all the time, because y'all niggas is the worst motherfuckers I've ever tried to entertain in my fucking life. Well I, said, love I love it. <laughs> I love well it. I love it. So, what my, One of my favorite parts is these people are such NPCs that he does his second this is the second impression and they yell out Trump. There's nothing about that that has anything to do with
1: Trump. Yeah. I was, I was wondering that I was like, what, what does that have to do with Trump? I've never. Nothing. They're just programmed to such a degree that they think
0: they're so used to comedians. Just, just lowest common denominator, just Trump bashing constantly. I'm going to do an impression. They're like, I don't know who this is. Trump.
1: (laughs) That's what you do. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah could it be trump <laughs> no here's the thing about dave Chappelle, because i know i've i know on one of the previous podcasts i was pretty honest about um chris rock being a monster <laughs> but a self-aware monster
1: honest yes
0: yes uh self he called himself that by the way and he and i like i appreciate that that but Dave Chappelle is one of the most genuine comedians I've ever met, and I've only interacted with him a few times. But those times, he was kind, he's humble, he's actually thoughtful. He seems like someone who's seeking truth. And I'm not surprised that he's going to be one of the first to back- do a backlash against this, because his last special, he got um, he got the problematic treatment. His last special came out, and they were like, oh, there's some transphobic jokes here, guys. Like, like it's problematic. It's a little <laughs> sexist and, and transphobic. And, uh, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good because I don't think he's the type who's going to roll over. Like to, to some degree, to. he doesn't need to. And he's the kind of guy who I remember back, um, way back when I was, uh, just started working in comedy. I, I was just a comedy assistant. and I was reading as a manager assistant. I was reading like news about how he walked away from, uh. Uh, his TV show for millions of dollars right and the and the funny thing was back then I was a super SJW but I could tell the news was getting it wrong they were calling him crazy like he's crazy he walked away from this and when I read what he had to say about it he, he was saying like he he looked around one day he was doing a joke on set and he looked around and he saw like these kind of white frat boys laughing and he and he just went questioned if they were laughing why they were laughing was was he suddenly some kind of racist stereotype or were they laughing? Like he was like thinking about what am I doing for money? What am I doing for money now? And is this making me happy? Right. And instead he just, he said, no, thank you to millions of dollars and went to find himself and figure out his purpose. And how does the mainstream news react to that? How does Hollywood react to that? He's gone crazy. Right.
1: <laughs> like, oh. Thinking consciously away, about what he's doing. That's crazy.
0: Right. Who walks away from money?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again Hollywood projecting
0: right and so uh I even way back then this guy seems like just yeah like con- like somebody who's trying to live consciously and um and then this makes me super happy I love it he's like no it's you guys freaking here's a mirror
1: <laughs> he's right that's what's funny about it also it's, it's yeah better. um good for him yeah we'll see I haven't watched the special but that was our that's our advertisement for Dave Chappelle for the morning Carrie. Yeah. Well, that made me happy because we're about to talk about something that makes me mad. (laughs) So mad. (laughs) Unfortunately, the next subject is probably not going to be your favorite subject. I can hear. You ready, Carrie? I'll introduce it visually for you. Yeah. Here's the report. Making the grade two new programs for better schools from School Diversity Advisory Group in New York City, published in August. Carrie. Carrie. Why don't you tell us all about why this PDF
0: makes Well, you- pull up the news article first, because I think that's a concise explanation, and then we can get into the PDF, which I actually haven't read. So my friend uh, and one of our viewers, actually, uh, Kimball, shared this with me. Uh panel recommends ending gifted and talented programs at New York City public schools. Uh, a report recommends that New York City end gifted and talent- talented programs at public schools in order to tackle classroom segregation... and and i know you've pulled the source material and i'd love to take a look at that i was just thinking about this this morning though and i was thinking somebody should do an article somebody should do an investigative report on how many gifted and talented schools have ended and been turned into schools to help the disadvantage like we i think we talked about this one of the gifted and talented programs um that i i think it So, so when I was a kid, I did this thing called project climb and I was Mm -hmm. trying to find out what happened to it. It was for gifted and talented. And I think they turned it into a program for people who were like needed help, who were, who were, um, less successful in school. And, and I, and there's not always news articles about these things. So how do you find out what happened to all of these?
1: You don't anyway. Yeah, you don't, um, Yeah, I mean, so de Blasio commissioned this report. He's been under a lot of pressure uh, to focus. Again, you know, Carrie. I think you mentioned this just the other day, this outcomes-based look at everything. So they look at everything, and if percentages don't match what they expect them to be because of demographics, they immediately conclude that something is wrong. Either it's racism or sexism or some kind of bigotry, rather than the more scientific approach which is to conclude that something's going on might not be nefarious let's try and figure out what it is why there's a difference they don't care about why there's a difference it's the the existence of the difference the existence of the universe offends them and they're going to do their damn best to make sure that you know 50% of every important quote, important job is, is women or, or right. whatever. Like so. look at de,
0: de Blasio, by the way, and we can put a link in our, in the comments or uh, on this video, but we already spoke about earlier this year. He's, this is a, th- this is what he's doing everywhere right now. He's also trying to um, attack the, the gifted uh, uh, public, uh, the gifted high schools. And we we did a whole video on that so it's not just these elementary school programs and middle school programs he's he's like in every area he's trying to hurt kids who are who have academic merit many of these kids whom pull the, they they pull themselves out of poverty because of their hard work and because of their intelligence mm-hmm. like the, like the high schools that he's been attacking over 40% of those kids are on free lunches because they're poor because they're the kids of chinese immigrants you mm-hmm. know of Asian immigrants and they're working their butts off and he's gonna hurt those kids. So it doesn't, why work your butt off? Look at this quote of his, and then I'll, I'll put this article away. De Blasio says, quote, every child, regardless of zip code, has the right to attend a school where they can thrive through initiatives like universal literacy and AP for all. I hate the way these things are named. Oh, I hate that it's like straight out of 1984. We're, uh, we're working tirelessly to build a more equitable system. There's that word again, equality mm-hmm. of outcome equality of outcome and ensure that all of our students have the tools that they need to succeed i this guy's horrible new york you guys need to get your crap together like this guy's awful
1: <laughs> well he's running for president too so maybe we'll get a chance to have him uh have him lead our nation in the elimination. i honestly
0: forgot because there's so many people running that yeah, this dirt bag
1: is running i don't know if he qualified for the next debate But yeah, so he commissioned this this uh, school diversity advisory group. Carrie, I'm just gonna actually maybe before I even start, there's a few I highlighted a few things to walk through in this uh, report from them. But I just want to set this up a little bit. (sighs) When you make education something that's not the responsibility and control of the parents completely you inevitably end up with viewing education collectively in groups. And that means that the choices that you make are not what's best for any particular student. So if you have a kid and the kid has learning disabilities, the choices that you make as a parent, if you're in in charge of that child's education, are tailored to what you think is best for that child. Similarly, if you have a kid who seems to be a genius and and ha- is, is, quote, gifted in many ways, then you can make choices that you think are best for that child. The, when, you, when you outsource your responsibility as a parent to the state, when you, when you buy into the idea that parents aren't responsible for their ch- children's education, but this is a community effort, then the community's, quote, well-being is what drives this. And you will see in this report that all of the language used, it's not about, no one is asking the question, what's best for the smart kids who are going to these programs and how can we make their experience the best? It's about, well, how does this affect the kids in the demographics that we care about generally?
0: And they don't right. even care about those kids. This well, doesn't they, help. They, they I know, I know. But let me, have, let me. Say, they don't care about those kids. These programs don't help those kids. These programs push kids up who into into classes that they 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 can't compete in. And studies have shown it doesn't help them. It doesn't help the gifted kids. It doesn't help those kids. It helps those kids a little bit more than it does the gifted kids, but they're not. Yeah, it, it's pushing them into places where they don't they haven't done the work and they have they're they're not um they don't deserve to be there. If we were talking about sports people wouldn't have a problem talking about it. They have a problem talking about it because this is about academic achievement for some reason. But you wouldn't be pushing people up into the major leagues if they weren't ready for it just because you want the right racial demographics.
1: Right. There right? aren't enough Jews in the NBA. Uh, right. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> whatever whatever it is. Be doing
0: that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous, and so this is. It, this is. Sh- it's it's condescending to the the very kids they say they care about helping. They're not helping them. So I'm I'm I'm, gonna, I'm furious. You're gonna have to let me interject once in a while
1: and be just. No con- interject. Okay. Be furious. It's good. Okay. Um, but uh, I I spent not as much time as I would. L- I think I could spend weeks just looking at this one report and stuff that they referenced, but. With with that in mind, like this is how they're approaching this. Let's, I just highlighted a few things that you might find interesting, Carrie, in this report. So here's the report, Making the Grade 2. They did an earlier report called Making the Grade. And so let's just see how they start out. They start out actually trying to sound like everything they do is based on research, which I'm going to address in a moment. They start out by saying decades of research have found that economically and racially integrated schools can provide students with this kind of high quality education they deserve. Okay. So this is an interesting sentence because they, <laughs> so it, it follows this opener here. Um, they, all parents want exciting, challenging, rele- relevant education for their kids, blah, blah, blah. So Decades of research they say have found that economically and racially integrated schools can provide students with this kind of high quality education. That's it sounds kind of sciencey, but can provide is kind of a lame thing, and they don't cite it. They don't cite this anywhere. And they do cite other research, but they don't cite this. And so they use in this intro area, this uh the letter from the executive committee, they use um they use the word research a few times to make themselves sound like, this is all very objective and scientific. Um, but they admit right here most screened schools. So, the way that gifted and talented schools work in New York is they take tests to get in. So, mo- they're called screened schools. Most screened schools and gifted and talented admissions process are in tension with meeting the goals in making the grade. So, that last report I mentioned, making the grade, it had diversity goals. And they are saying this statement means that testing people academically in order to determine if they get into school is in tension with, i.e. goes against the goals of diversity. What they're saying is that simple merit-based testing will necessarily hurt specifically Black black and Latin, Latinx students. Those are the groups that they're talking about in particular in this document. So then they go on. Research has demonstrated the benefits of contemporary education models that serve all students and prepare them to participate in a diverse global society. Again, this is a collectivist view. This is not research has shown that your child will benefit from this particular thing. This is students generally. And look at what their goals are. The benefits of contemporary education models that serve all students and prepare them to participate in a diverse global society. They're not talking about physics, and
0: they're,
1: they're not talking, talking about, about socialization. They're not, and they're also not
0: talking about. I I hate when they only use the word diverse in the in the mo the least important way possible, which is like what your sex is and what your skin color is, and like they don't ever talk about the diversity of thought and ideas and uh, talent and background, and they never, they never talk about it in the ways that actually are important. It's always like, no. let's look at these things that don't really matter at all to your character, and, and, but let's look at those. Let's focus on the unimportant things about you.
1: Yeah, they use, they use the word diversity as crudely as possible. So, um, okay, so then I said the existing use of screens and gifted and talent, talented programs is unfair, unjust and not necessarily research-based. This is some wiggle room there. Um, and then exclusionary admissions models oft, often unfairly sort students by their resources rather than interest in opportunities for developing their interests and abilities. They also miss the benefit of classrooms that are more diverse and allow more individualized education to students who are advanced learners. This is just not supported by anything. They just say it. But here's the fun, Carrie. Here's what they want to do. Ready? For elementary schools in the first zero to three years, discontinue the use of the gifted and talented admissions test. They hate the test. They hate testing. Um, Eliminate rigid academic tracking. They actually hate grades. They don't want academic tracking. Middle schools promote integrated schools. That's clearly their goal here. Eliminate the use of exclusionary admissions practices. What they mean by that is merit-based tests. Eliminate the use of merit-based tests that create segregation by race, class, disability, home language, and academic ability. By academic ability, they don't want segregation by academic ability. This includes the exclusionary use of school screens such as grades, test scores, auditions, performance and interviews, behaviors, lateness, lateness, and attendance. So having to actually show up, not a valid criteria. Eliminate the use of – gift. by the way, can you imagine, Carrie, can you imagine running a workplace where, like, you must hire people and pay them, but you may not do it based on how well they perform, whether they show up for work on time, whether they show up at all, how good – what the quality of their work is? Right. Or let's look
0: at another field. Uh, Let's look at, again, sports you must put people on this uh, major league team and it has, it should have nothing to do with how well they play. If they show up for practice, if they make an effort, if they're late, it should should have nothing to do with anything related to actually being good at baseball.
1: Right. (laughs) They're certainly not preparing them for any kind of world of competition, which they are trying to remove anyway, other than political competition.
0: Yeah. Because they don't believe in meritocracy.
1: No. Uh,
0: they want eliminate us all, the, I've said this before, or I've heard this before, So I'm, I'm not sure who I heard say this first, but they want us all to be equal in the rubble. It's like, let's pull everyone down to the rubble.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, the killing fields of Cambodia were equal. So, uh, eliminate the use of gifted and talented nomenclatures. So they don't even like the words. So, now in high schools, your favorite high schools, institute a moratorium on the creation of new screened high schools, unless they do what we want, basically. Uh, ensure all high schools are reflective of, of their borough's racial and socioeconomic demographics, which means change their admissions policies. And here we go, eliminate lateness, attendance and geographic zones as a criteria for high school admissions and enrollment. So again, lateness and attendance, not allowed to be used uh, as criteria. So that's, that's kind of the overview of what they're doing. I don't want to go into the background stuff too much, but there's a couple um, here, there's a couple uh, charts you might want to see. So the share of applicants meeting a screen of fewer than five absences and fewer than five tardies is not equal among across demographic groups. So here they go showing that, look, uh, this is one of the, the, the ways that they're showing that tardiness and attendance are racist. Uh, Asians meet the screen sixty one percent of the time. Whites thirty seven. Blacks twenty five. And Latinx. Latinx. How do you even say that? You used to it's, be Latinos. What yeah, am I supposed to say?
0: Just say Latino. Screw okay. them. Don't don't use their magic words. So uh, I, I. Th- this is again. This is not. This is about like nobody has any personal responsibility for anything. Like you, do, you're not because these we don't like the way these numbers look. And look, look, let's take black and Latino out of it. Just look at Asian and white. White people don't show up on time as often or and don't show up as often as Asian kids. Right. Why is that? It must be racism. We must live in a racist society against right. white kids that We're favor- living in Japan. Yeah, that must favor Asian <laughs> kids being on time and white kids not. Like, no, that's a ridiculous conclusion. But they go right. there every time. They go there every time. Instead of saying, let's work on it, uh, let's work on encouraging personal responsibility. Let's work on encouraging people to be on time, which look, by the way, this is tailor made for me. If I, if, if they did this for me, like I would never have learned it's a
1: gray area of not meeting the screen. I know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. right. I'm just saying I don't need someone encouraging my tardiness.
1: <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that,
0: that's what I, to get back to that point in the beginning, that doesn't help me. It's like, no. Oh, Carrie has a problem being late. Let's accommodate her. no, you right. don't accommodate my lateness. You don't accommodate my failings.
1: That's right. And one <laughs> thing, like one thing that's not mentioned anywhere. I skimmed. I didn't read the entire thing. I skimmed it. Um, I read most of it. Um, one thing that's never mentioned is like, well, is attendance and tardiness correlated to performance? Because it seems like if you're not there, you probably aren't learning as much. So <laughs> maybe we should teach people to show up. Yeah, maybe people should have to come to class. Right. <laughs> And, and, you know, what, what someone who actually, if you actually cared about the black, the black and Latino communities here or the white community, frankly, what you would do is you would look at this and go, what the hell are the Asian parents doing? Can we do that? What are they like? How the hell are they getting their, they're, they're good at attendance and targeting it? like, let's, let's figure out what they're doing right. And, and how to do it because they're getting their kids to show up at school on time. Let's, let's learn from them.
0: No, but they want to they want to take us down to the least common denominator. It's like let's take the worst the worst performance and let's bring everybody down there. Right. So that we're all equal in the rubble. And it, and again, it's it doesn't help those kids. You're right. It, it those it's it is the uh, again, to go back to that phrase, it's the soft bigotry of low expectations. It's like you can't do any better than this black kids or white kids. You know, you can't you can't be held to to standards So we're gonna remake the world to accommodate your personal failings. It it makes me really offended, again, just to use myself as a personal example. Don't accommodate my personal failings, then I have no reason to get better. Don't, any, if you've got a friend in your life who's okay with you not improving yourself, it's probably because they want you to stay down there with them so they have company. Peterson writes about that in his book. It is I was, and actually Mike Sorovich writes about that too. Like a- everyone
1: writes about. I mean. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's a common thing, but you should be around people who want the best for you and who push you and challenge you, and not people who are like,
1: "Oh, it's not your fault that you do X, Y, and Z uh, bad habit," you know. Yeah, and actually, let's pause for. I was going to show you another graph, but actually, let's pause for a sec because that what you just said, Carrie, um, leads me to another thing that I wanted to just make a point of, which is, and we'll get to some of the arguments they're making in a minute about gifted, quote, gifted students. But let's just be clear on some things. Uh, You know, the nature versus nurture kind of debate about how much of a a kid's achievement and and happiness and everything else, success in life is, is based on that. Well, what we know about IQ is that it's largely very large percentage is genetic. And we don't really know how to raise it environmentally. Um, We know how to lower it environmentally, like, just like we know how to lower height, you mount, you know, you, you don't feed the kid properly, they get malnutrition, they're not going to grow as tall. But we can't make them grow seven feet if they're genetically predisposed to be five foot six. That's just the way it is. And IQ, as far as we know, is is the same. But the other part so but the good news is discipline actually is more is is possibly more important at least as important as iq in success in life it's not just iq and the frustrating thing for parents is that the nurture half of this nurture part of this equation parents actually have little to do with you know what really matters peer groups peer groups matter a hell of a lot and so um i, I just Here's an example. One study of Dartmouth College students by economist Bruce Sacardote illustrates how powerful this influence is. He found that when students with low grade point averages simply began rooming with higher scoring students, just rooming with them, their grade point averages increased. These students, according to the researchers, appeared to infect each other with good and bad study habits, such that a roommate with a high grade point average would drag upward the GPA of his lower scoring roommate. Now... Is that good for the higher scoring student? That's not clear. It may drag the higher student down. That's we don't know. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe maybe the research knows. But my point is, well, I've read other study is that students can be with other students that challenge them. Like that's a good that peer group matters.
0: Yeah and I've I've actually read studies it does it does hurt the gifted student to put them in a class of kids who are not gifted it does hurt them they don't achieve the same things they're not pushed as hard and and it's not just in academic achievement there I've seen studies about the workplace the same thing it's like if you have some really poorly behaving employees and you and you're like let me put them in this group and make them and make two of my best performing employees work with this other group of really uh, poorly performing ones because that's going to help them perform better. No, they've shown that the, the really highly perform, performing employees start to slack off because it's like, why am I going to work my butt off if these people are in the same group as me and getting paid the same and there's no rewards for meritocracy, right? So why?
1: Right. And and especially when we're we're looking at things like attendance and tardiness, you can just imagine what it's like to be in school, trying to focus on something, being being a kid who is focused on learning and wants to achieve and you know your study partner your lab group partner or someone you know other people in the classroom like coming in late not showing up disruptive probably like that that all has an impact unlikely that it's a positive impact <laughs> so
0: the thing with these these people is and let let me see if i can articulate this in a way that makes sense. Um, I sometimes feel like I've I've read a lot of and I've watched a lot of videos from some really intelligent people, and then I'm like, maybe part of my job is to help dumb it down for the masses for people like myself. <laughs> like, because I'm trying to think. I think it even might have been Peterson. I heard talking about um, hierarchies, uh, um, but anyway, they don't they don't like any type of hierarchy. They view it all as oppressive. But life is just, life. It, it's built on hierarchies. That's why in any field of study or interest, again, let's use the sports analogy. Why would you work hard to excel at anything? Let's say you're an Olympic swimmer. Where did you get there? Why did you get there? Because you worked hard to become the best. You had some raw talent and then you worked hard to achieve. And you're at, and we have, we have Olympics. We have international, uh, uh, competition so that we can reward the best so we can reward the people who have put in the most work but then it's weird because in some like in sports we seem okay we seem okay with that but in something like academic achievement suddenly people they're like we don't like hierarchies we don't like the fact that some people are smarter than others and we don't like the fact that some people work harder than others and we want everyone to be on the same level of output and production and what does that require well you're not going to bring like you just said you're not going to bring everyone up to that high achieving, not everyone's going to be an Olympic swimmer. That's ridiculous. What you're doing is saying there, let's use that analogy. There can be no more Olympic swimmers, right. right? No more, no more training schools for Olympic swimmers. No more. No, we're not going to, there can be no more because that makes the people who are not Olympic swimmers feel bad.
1: Yep. <laughs> so let's get in. let let's get into I want to I want to dig into a few things because they tried to make this they make this look like very academic and I just want to I want to show you what I found in the little time I looked at this so this is their this is the section history of screens and and G gifted and talented programs and so they make these claims Kerry research has demonstrated that in addition to segregating schools these admissions practices don't necessarily result in fair access for low income students who under a more international, intentionally equitable system would otherwise qualify. And they have a site. They cite something here. They cite this. So that's what they cited. Um, summary? Not what they said. Uh, what they cited was a study that showed basically that if you challenge everyone, everyone does better. And... It will be better to have a challenging environment for all students. That's basically what they cited here. But that doesn't mean that they would qualify. If everyone did better because you challenged everyone, the standards would change. And enrollment in the higher, more challenging schools would, would the standards would change for that enrollment. So they they use that kind of stuff. So they they go through this. And here's their list of exclusionary admissions, Kerry. You'll love the exclusionary admissions. State tests, course grades, interviews, behavior, behavior attendance and punctuality auditions demonstrated interest so what they're saying is the kid's not interested he doesn't show up he does bad on tests has bad grades does a shitty interview is has disruptive behavior um let's bring him on in bring him in <laughs> bring him on in you're the next contestant. you're the next contestant of the gifted and talented program <laughs> yes so, again, they don't like this. Allowing families to choose schools while simultaneously allowing schools to choose students through screened admissions methods led New York City schools to be highly segregated. Okay? That doesn't mean that it's racist. Schools with exclusionary screens continually outperform the city mean for academic achievement and graduation rate due to their selection policies. Well, yeah. Yeah, of course. You would expect that. <sighs> A school choice model with exclusionary admissions practices favors schools with high academic performance and the school quality reports. Uh, Okay. Families who have their means to invest in extra, this is another, they just make these statements. Families who have the means to invest in extra educational resources are often able to advance their children's academic development. This is not equitable, even if it is effective for some. So this, Carrie, you mentioned this before when we were talking about this, these high schools in New York city, a lot of these Asian community, Asian immigrants are poor. So the question is, how are poor groups, how's one poor group able to invest extra educational resources when another poor group is not? And why is that racist? Can
0: I share uh, something from my screen real quick? Yeah, yeah, please. So I pulled up... de Blasio's War on Excellent Schools. This is from October 2018. This was the one about the high schools um, mm-hmm. where it's mostly going to affect uh, Asian kids. It's right. mostly going to hurt Asian, poor Asian kids. Look, uh, Stuyvesant, I think that's the way you say that, other elite New York public... Stuyvesant. Stuyvesant, Stuyvesant. okay. Mm-hmm. Stuyvesant, other elite New York public high schools could admit students who did not pass the state test. So it's like... We're, let's just get rid of the test to get in because people are, that aren't passing it and we, we don't have the right demographics. Uh, Bill de Blasio's plan to displace Asians in New York top schools. And I mean, this is just, this is, it goes against everything they, they say they're doing. He's, they, because they don't want to look like they're, um, it, it would be racist if, they're, if they are manipulating things to make sure they get a specific racial demographic, although that's what they're doing and they're telling you that's what they're doing but they have to figure out a way to do it where they make it about class. And so they're trying to say, we're helping poor kids. It's like, no, you're hurting poor Asian kids.
1: Well, and look, this, according to this report here, uh, they're pretty blatant about what they're doing. They care about, I mean, the metrics that they proposed are explicitly, I didn't read this part, but they're, uh, I mean, I didn't read it to the audience. I read it. The, they're explicitly saying schools should reflect the demographics of the region they're in. That's that's their goal. All yeah. schools, all of them, and th- that's a pretty pretty blatant goal. They're big. I think their big kind of claim here to to supposedly allay what? the fears.
0: One quick one quick aside though, um, you can tell that they're lying about that when you look at uh, cases where the demographic where the percentage of white students is not as high as it is for that area. They don't care about increasing the number of white students to get it up to whatever the percentage is in that area. They're never talking about increasing the percentage. They're never talking about that. Even if the percentage at a given school is lower than the area, they're never talking about increasing the number of white
1: kids. (laughs) That's true. uh, Although I think that's because to them, the white doesn't, I mean, the no, white doesn't matter, but they are very clear about their caring about the percentages of black and Latino. Yes,
0: that's my point, is they only care about the percentages of certain races yes. because they're racist.
1: Right, and welcome aboard, Asians. You're being lumped in with the whites now because they don't like the way that your children are performing in school. So, but they're they're big kind of, I won't say it's not their big argument, but one of the things they're trying to do to allay the fears of people who have gifted and talented children or or children who they think could make be in those schools. They say a number of studies have shown that mixed ability classrooms, which cater to the needs of both general education students and advanced students are beneficial to students with lower proficiency levels and do not harm students learning above proficiency level. And they cite four sources. Source one, source one says, first of all, just be clear. Source one does not support that statement. What source one does say is source one has a sentence, which is an opinion, which references some other source that says, despite overwhelming research, demonstrating the ineffectiveness of low track classes and of tracking in schools in general, Schools continue the practice. So this is someone making an opinion that, like, hey, we shouldn't track. And they cite something else, which is a separate thing. And, and this one, basically, they were basically saying, hey, we did a study. And it turns out that when you organize students, when you organize classes with a bunch of different – and you don't do skill grouping, as they call it, we couldn't find – a lot of evidence that it works, but we did find a little bit, a handful of them work, but a lot of them maybe don't work, we don't know. That's not very strong. The second source here that they cited, so remember they're citing these four sources, the second one they cited for this, basically just says, hey, acceleration does work for gifted programs quite well, but if you don't use acceleration, it doesn't work. Well, that doesn't support this, claim. That's not what this claim is saying. The other two, I couldn't find full that's, papers. That's only like found- the exact opposite. Right. Well, it says, if you, it says a lot of them don't use acceleration. If they don't, then it doesn't matter. Fine. Yeah. But if they do, it does. The last two were just, I couldn't find whole papers. I could only find abstracts. Neither of them were, I mean, there were like st- studies of one particular school or just kind of commentary. Neither of them really supported this but again i could only look at the i could only look at the abstract so i couldn't read the articles but they're both the abstracts are very focused not on what's good for the gifted students but what's good for everyone else that's the focus of the research and so that's this this claim that like they don't harm students that claim is unsupported and they're trying to i mean you can see It's one of the few spots where they have four citations. They know that people are going to be worried about that, and they're trying to prop it up and make it look really good. But those citations are weak. I would take one citation that was a well-researched study that demonstrated this, but there isn't one.
0: And in fact, the studies I've read say the exact opposite. So I would like to go through, and it would be interesting to spend some time finding those. Just how many counter what they're saying.
1: Yes. Yeah, I didn't look for counter studies, but you're right. I know they're out there. I just, you know, this is a daily coffee, not a huge <laughs> research project. But yes, I know they're out there, um, and you know, I think if the if the argument is like, hey, we should change the way the gifted and talented programs work because they should they should do X, Y, and Z, and that's better for the gifted students. Fine, but you know, here's the thing where they might be right. It it might actually be better for some of the non-gifted students to be in classrooms with gifted students. That, that might help them. It probably will hurt the gifted students, <laughs> right? Well, so, of course
0: it does. The studies I'm thinking of, and I'm sorry I didn't do the kind of research you did, but I, wa- I almost want to redo this and, with, and do a whole counterpiece, or maybe just write a, a counterpiece to this. It's like the studies show that gifted kids are uh, more despondent. They're bored. They... They don't perform as well. And look, I'm just going to use personal experience, my anecdotal evidence, my own. I went to a um, science and math high school for 11th and 12th grade. It was more rigorous than Duke, where, where I ended up going to college. And before I went there, I was, even in the honors classes, it was, it was. It was very boring, and I did not learn how to do um, some of the things I should have learned how to do. Because this isn't a brag on myself. When I got to the gifted and talented school, then I was like, "Oh wow, I'm I'm not the smarty pants I thought I was." Right. <laughs> now that I'm with all these really brilliant people, I'm like, "Oh," um, but uh, but at the at the public high school, I was not for that. And this was a public high school as well. But um, it was it was uh, it was you had to get into it, right? Um, But before I went there, no, I wasn't challenged, and I didn't learn how to study, and I didn't learn how to prepare things because I could wait until the night before and then just do it and get an A, and and it didn't – I didn't – I wasn't challenged in the way that I was once I went to that school. Going to that school was one of the best things that's ever happened to me, and I know it was the same for a lot of the people who were there, and there were people from – every different economic, economic level there. It wasn't like, that's the other thing. They like to pretend like this is like, oh, rich kids are at the gifted schools. No, it's not. That's the great thing about, about it being based on merit. It's not about money. And, and I, and then later on in life, I taught SAT prep. And so I would get, I would teach the rich kids and then I would teach the underprivileged kids. They had a program for kids who couldn't afford the full price. And there was, it, w- it wasn't based on money. Those rich kids weren't doing better because their parents were throwing money at the SAT prep classes. It's based on merit. Some of the best-performing kids and some of the ones who, who um, ended up doing the best on their SATs were at the, in the underprivileged schools. Um, it's, it, you, there should be programs to identify who those kids are and help them get out of there. That's the whole, that's the whole point. You can move from economic level to economic level based on talent not just so let's say you're a talented basketball player you can pull yourself out of poverty with that talent let's say you're a talented olympic swimmer let's say you're gifted and talented in math like you can pull yourself out of of poverty and so this is this, this whole thing it, it makes me so furious because it doesn't help the kids they're claiming to help it, it definitely doesn't help the gifted kids and it's, it's, it's basically, it's, I know we've mentioned this before, the Kurt Vonnegut story, but so perfect. This is Harrison Bergeron come to life. They're just like, let's, um, can I kind of read just a little bit of that? Do you mind? Just the, just the very beginning. I'm just going to read the very beginning. For people who haven't read this, it's a short story. You can find it online. It's great. Um, Kurt Vonnegut. Um, the year was 2081 and everybody was finally equal. They weren't only equal before God and the law. They were equal every which way. Nobody was smarter than anybody else. Nobody was better looking than anybody else. Nobody was stronger or quicker than anybody else. And so it goes on to talk about the handicapper in general, who's, they basically decided they're going to handicap everyone, whatever their particular talent is, so that they can't be talented in that way. And, you know, one of the main characters here, George, um, it says, while his intelligence was way above normal, had a little mental handicap radio in his ear. He was required by law to wear it at all times. It was turned to, tuned to a government transmitter. So they like basically are shocking his brain so that he can't think because they have to make him less intelligent. They have to, they can't, he can't be smarter than anyone else. Great story. I know we've, I know we've mentioned it before, but in case there's new viewers who haven't read it, you should go check it out. And, um but that's what they want. That's, that's why this makes me so angry. I feel like the people who are, are, trying to implement these things are, um, they're like wannabe tyrants. They're not intellectual. They've probably never read Harrison Bergeron. <laughs> they probably have no idea that that's what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? You should make everyone who was involved in this read that.
1: Yeah. I mean, just by the way, just to underscore a point that you made, uh, of Screen High School students are uh, getting qualified for free and reduced lunch, which is uh, their proxy for poverty. So this is not, it's not all rich kids going to these schools. It's not rich kids. Um, Yeah. And look, I mean, the takeaway, I think it would be good to do a whole show on, on what you're talking about, like how, how these things affect uh, kids that are smarter and, and that kind of thing. My point wasn't even to make that argument. It was just to expose like, this is the thinking behind what this, this report is not about doing what's best for the smart kids. It is only about like making sure that percentages of blacks and Latinos match what they want them to be across a bunch of schools. That's all. And to do that, they're willing to, knock out all of these things, state tests, course grades, interviews, behavior, attendance, auditions, interest, everything. They're willing to knock all of it out and, and basically have admissions based on, I mean, ultimately it's going to be based on skin color because there's, there's not much else you can do. You're going to have to change this, these policies to make sure that you get, you know, you reserve these number of slots for Asian kids and this number for black kids and this number for Latino. And that's, that's what you're going to have to do if you're unwilling to kind of look into why some of these groups behave differently and let them, let them be different, but that's not, you know, that's, that's not what they, that they want. And I just want to underscore the point, Carrie. I think this is inevitable when you give the government control of the schools. I mean, the reason gifted and talented programs arose, was because people recognized the failure of government education. People were sending their kids to government schools going, this sucks, my kid's not getting challenged. This is horrible. That's why gifted and talented, they were like, okay. Okay, community, we'll fix it. We'll have some special gifted and talented section. Would that that exist in the free market? I don't know.
0: The attitudes change though, right? Because when you and I were kids, Nobody frowned upon it. Like the, the, it's like they're frowning upon it.
1: Nobody frowned well, upon it. No, but see, I, I think it's always been, so this is what, look, I think it's always about the collective with government schools. It's always going to be about the collective. What you had was communities of parents who had some power complaining very loudly about the impact of this crappy education on their kids. And so gifted and talented programs were, were a concession to parents who were complaining about, okay, We'll have a decent and talented program, so you guys will shut up. But now they've started to lose their clout. They don't have enough clout to make this case, and we've become woke enough that we can argue about demographics. Oh, look, it's, it's the Asian kids that are getting in and not the black kids. And so I don't think there's any reason to suspect that this can, in the long run, really get better under, under a collectivized educational system. If you're not in charge of your kid's education, then no one else cares about your child as an individual. It's, the school cares about numbers. None of the, none of, nothing here is like, we care about this one kid.
0: But it's not, but see, it's not just the public schools. It's not, it's not just the collectivist schools. I mean, look at Harvard. They, so Asian American students, those who don't know, they're currently suing Harvard for discrimination because, right. because Harvard's uh, policies on, on uh, admissions have changed to such a degree, they just they, they basically give you extra points and they you know, they lower the SAT scores and other things that they're willing to accept so that they can boost, again, certain racial demographics. And who does that hurt? Primarily Asian kids who right. would otherwise be getting in.
1: Right. In fact, one of the one of the articles that they cited that I read, I can't pull it up right now, I don't see it, but it cited that as a as a great idea to do in high schools and and middle schools like that, that, that idea should be moved to high schools and middle schools. Um, I I would, by the way, I would say uh, the fact that I'm saying that this will happen in government schools doesn't mean that it will never happen in private schools. Some private schools will do it, but some won't. And you can argue that Harvard isn't really private. It's partially private, but like all these colleges are propped up by, uh, the government in a major way is not the least of which is the, is the government covering student loans. Right. So like right. there's a lot of and research grants, student loans. There's like, there's a lot of crap that the government does to, to screw with the free market and education at the college level. Uh, so, and obviously below the college level. So I just, you know, look, you should, if you have a child, with any kind of, any kind of needs, special, special needs, like, cause they need remedial help or because they're the next Mozart, Mozart, whatever it is, like you should be responsible for finding them the education that meets their needs and in a society in which everyone else, when all of New York city is responsible for your kid, they don't care about your kid. They just don't. And I've never seen, by the way, Carrie, this, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't have an experience working with government, right? I'm from the private sector my whole life, basically. So one thing that really struck me here was the number of like people on committees and things that they resolved to study this and resolve to form a committee on that and resolve to, oh, we'll have a, a study group about this and a committee about that. And we'll commission this and we should provide resources for that. And we should, it's like, all I could see was like this room full of grifters salivating over like, yes, we need to fund a study to do blah, blah, because I'm going to be involved in that. Like, it's just, it's just so bloated. I just look at this and I'm like, no private school looks like this. I mean, maybe like huge like Harvard things, but no, you know, no private high school. <laughs> your, your local private high school or junior high school doesn't look like this. They're just focused on the, you know, the kids that are there and how can we meet the needs of the parents. And if the parents in that community are mostly Asian, then maybe they have a slightly different curriculum even than if the parents in that community are mostly Latin, right, or Latino, right? That okay, fine. And and they don't have to cater to everyone because they're only catering to the people who want to send their kids there. And they can find a niche, just like everything else in the free market. And if there's a niche for kids who are like you know what, we speak Farsi and play the violin really well, and that's what we want to focus on. Like, okay, if there's enough of a market demand, there can be a school focused on those kind of kids. That's fine, right? But, you know, this is what you get with collectivism, guys. This isn't going to get, like, don't be surprised by this. It's just, you know, it's the next step. They, they need to create little, little comrades. So this is how you do it. Are you depressed now, Carrie?
0: Yeah, I'm just depressed. I'm sorry. I'm just, again, I'm, I'm just thinking about Harrison Bergeron and like who wants to live in that world? They just have to read it. Okay, everybody should read it. It's, look, it's not just the, so the people who are smart, they put this, they put uh, this, what they call the mental handicap, so that their ear buzzes this loud sound in their ears. So they can't think it disrupts their thoughts. Um, There's a, there's a part in it where they're watching this program on television and there's ballerinas and there's musicians and the ballerinas are handicapped so that the really good ballerinas, they're wearing weights and they can't, they can't be as graceful in his life. And, And then you've got the musicians are wearing handicapped so that none of the None of them play better than the others. The music kind of sucks because they're all handicapped and the ballerinas kind of suck because they're all handicapped and the pretty ones are wearing bags over their faces because how dare anyone be prettier than anyone else. Like that's the world these people want to create. What a bleak, horrible world with no art and no achievement and no sports and no, like these people are monsters.
1: (laughs) I think, Carrie. I think you would be surprised. I think you feel like people will read Harrison Bergeron and be like, I don't want that. I think you'd be surprised. I think some of these people will look at that and go, yeah, I just hate, I hate people that are better than me in any way. And I just want to, if I have to get torn down, fine. Like that's how it's, it's that kind of weird envy. There is a, there is a, a lot of envy. And resentment. And resentment in our culture, you know, and it's, you know, most people don't resent, like I don't resent I don't know, Steph Curry, because he's a better basketball player. Like, he's a better basketball player. He'll always be a better basketball player. There's a lot of people smarter and more successful than me and better at things. Like, I'm glad that Bill Gates is a billionaire. He made my life so much better. I'm not as smart. I'm not as successful. I I could never have built the company that he built. And yet I get to use the products and I get to have all that awesome. my, My life is so much better. Because of Bill Gates,
0: and you get you get to enjoy the music from talented musicians. You get to enjoy art from talented yeah. artists. You get to read books from talented writers. You get to write in
1: cars that were d- designed by people who know how to design cars. All of it. <laughs> like, right? mean, all of, all it. of it. I mean, look, any one of us, even the smartest among us, strip you naked and throw you on a desert island, you're not going to get very far in civilization. Like pro- reproducing civilization is quite difficult. Uh, it takes talent and skill and, a, and just an innumerable. And it, takes, hierarchy. it, takes, higher, it
0: takes hierarchies. And it, people, need to, people need to get over this idea that every hierarchy is based on oppression. It's not. Yes, yes, some of them lean towards oppression and tyranny, yes. But the, it doesn't, not every hierarchy is, is necessarily implies that somebody is an oppressor and somebody else is the
1: oppressed. Well, I would argue that no hierarchy that doesn't use force is an oppressive hierarchy. Yeah. When people organize themselves voluntarily through a hierarchy, that's not oppressive. Force is required. All your politics crap, that's a hierarchy that's oppressive. Politics is oppressive. But, you know, Bill Gates running the company that he founded, that's not oppressive. Offering products cheaper than his competitor, that's not oppressive. Not getting me, not getting onto an NBA basketball team. That's not oppression. That's just merit. I suck. And that's just, yeah, and that's life. That's what life
0: is. Like yes. every, everybody has, the thing about SJW ideology that's so ridiculous is they, they, they talk about these, um, you know, privileges and marginalizations, but they they look at it in such an unrealistic and static way. And it's like, okay, well let's use your language SJW. Yes everyone is privileged in some ways and marginalized in some ways every human being that's what life is and it's about figuring out how to maximize your privileges and and maximize those things that you're good at and that you're talented at and those things and and to rise above your disadvantages and your marginalization not to bring everybody down to your level there's like there's that old joke about uh what is it um Oh gosh i wish i could I wish I had it so I could pull it up. It was an old cartoon where like a guy in in a um in a wheelchair c- comes to a building and there's there's no ramp there's just stairs so like a like a rational human would build a ramp next to the stairs and s j w would just take the stairs away
1: right that's true
0: <laughs> so nobody SJ. gets to go in the building <laughs>
1: like, yeah. But I think there really are. I think there really is a segment of the population that would rather see everyone, all of their betters, dead and brought are brought down to their level, um, than just out of just out of resentment and envy. Yeah. Even if it means like they they have a shitty life now because some of the things that those betters were doing are are now gone. Uh, I think there is a segment of the population that. That would would do that. But, you know, Carrie, I I think we should do an episode on your, uh, on on gifted and talented kids generally, because you've, this is something that's, you know, close to your heart and you've done, you've looked at some research there. And, and I think we should do an episode on homeschooling, which we're planning to do, because the answer here, parents, is to take your kids out of these schools and homeschool. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's not crazy. It's a growing trend. Lots of people are doing it. And it's actually in the era of 2019 where MIT courses are free online, and like the access to the smartest minds in the world on any given subject are on the internet. It's actually quite doable.
0: Yeah, and homeschooling. It, homeschooling is not. It's not your. It's not your grandma's religious fundamentalism anymore.
1: <laughs> like it's not the. Although she wasn't homeschooled, I guess she was into high school. Anyway.
0: No, but I mean, like, it's not its not the stereotype that it used to be. Look, when I was in high school and college, a lot of the homeschooling groups I knew, I don't think were very, there was a stereotype that it wasn't rigorous and it was mostly religious fundamentalists who were doing it. And now it's totally different. In fact, hopefully the episode we get to do, we're going to talk to a friend of mine who homeschools, who is who is one of my fellow classmates from the science and math school in South Carolina and she's brilliant and she's teaching her kids and anyway
1: yeah hold on Carrie. i'm gonna find something because there's uh Uh,
0: while you're looking for that i wanted to i wanted to talk about because you made me think about one of my favorite i know i've mentioned uh, jordan peterson a lot in this particular episode i've been revisiting some of his stuff and um he's really one of the one of the first people, there were several different people I was reading that helped change my mind about a lot of things. But, um, one of the, the first video I watched of his that really helped me look at the world in a different way was this video of his called, um, tragedy versus evil. And in it, he talked about the story of Cain and Abel as an, as an allegory for two different modes of being in the world. And I just, I really love this. And it, 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 dramatically changed the way I thought about things. and so much so that I started looking at every decision I was making in a given day and trying to figure out if I was behaving like Cain or if I was behaving like Abel. So the way Uh that he talked about it, yeah, was basically like, um, you know, the story goes, Abel um, gave the two brothers, sons of Adam and Eve, right? And Abel was the favored son of God. He gave sacrifices that God, liked and approved of and God showered blessings on him. And then you've got Cain who's like resentful and like, why do you like it? it he, he gave sacrifices, but they weren't pleasing to God. And, and, you know, he was resentful and he went to God and he's basically like, why God, why aren't you, you know, he you know, why aren't you looking favorably upon me? Why is it all about Abel? And, and God basically tells him this is within your it's your sp- personal responsibility. Like this is within your sphere of influence. Like, you know, make the necessary sacrifices. He tells him like, sin is like a cat that's crouching at your door, you know, and it's up to you. And basically like personal responsibility. And yeah. what is, so then what does Cain do? Cain makes the decision instead of like, huh, maybe I should make the sacrifices to get what I want. And I'll get rid of the other I'm going to get rid of the other guy. So instead he he like resentfully murders his brother, you know, it's like, and blames God. And so there's two modes of being, you can look at like um one, one mode of being, if you look at like Abel's mode of being, it's like um, humility, gratefulness, um, uh, great work ethic, developing a good work ethic and, and working and making sacrifices to get what you want. Um, and then, and then you've got th- th- living like Cain, which is like, uh, resentfulness and envy and sloth and not making the necessary sacrifices but being angry that you're not getting that thing you want even though you're not taking responsibility for it and those are two different ways of being and so I just that was so brilliant the way he broke it down and it really stuck with me and and for a long time and and even now like I still I will stop in and, and, and any given interaction and be like minute Am I acting like Cain? <laughs> like, I don't want to act like Cain. Like, is this, is this a Cain thing that's happening? Am I feeling envy or am I feeling, um, you know, yeah. uh, uh, what's the other word? Arrogance. Arrogance and entitlement. Like, that's Cain.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and that's what these people are. They're behaving like Cain. And they're saying, yeah. nobody should, these kids shouldn't have to learn to behave like Abel. Let's let, we're going to behave like Cain and that's what we're going to teach. And that anyway, everybody should watch that video if they get a chance. It's a really great, it's an old video. It's a really great one, but.
1: So have you, you know, this movie Captain Captain Fantastic? No. I'm going to play you a scene. So <laughs> this guy, this guy, it's a, it's a, it's a movie about um, a family with like a lot of kids. I forget yeah, like five or six kids, a lot of kids and like an MIT professor and his wife. I don't remember what she was smart, but I don't remember where, where what they had her background being and they decided to like basically get off the grid and like move out into wilderness and raise their family like on their own in the wilderness um and she ends up getting cancer or something and dying of no no that's not right she was a little bit messed up she ends up like killing herself because she had all these problems she ends up like killing herself and when she does her parents step in and try and take the kids away from the dad saying like, you're homeschooling these kids and you know, they need a normal oh. life. Oh,
0: I've seen this movie. You and have? He, Yes, I have. It's a great movie. It's yes. an awesome movie.
1: Can okay, I play yeah. this scene? Can I, can I show you this scene, one scene? Because I just, I yes. don't know if we'll leave it in. But there's this scene where he's talking to, uh, I guess, his wife's brother or whatever about, homeschooling and how, you know, the kids really should be not homeschooled. They should go to a a public school or a good school like his kids do. So watch. Harper and I have been talking. The kids need structure, stability. They need to go to a real school so they can get real jobs. You're going to get them killed. Sorry
0: but your your kids are without a mother now. I don't think you have any idea what you're doing to them. I'm saving their lives. That's what I'm doing. you sound so ridiculous. Is knowing how to set a broken bone or how to treat severe burn ridiculous? Knowing how to navigate by the stars in total darkness? That's ridiculous. How to identify edible plants, how to make clothes from animal skins, how to survive in the forest with nothing but a knife? That's ridiculous to you? Jesus. They have the cardiovascular and muscular endurance levels of elite athlete who cares? They're children. They need to go to school. they need to learn about the world.
1: Justin Jackson. oh I remember this. is here for a second. It's pretty awesome, right
0: What? old do you and I have Jackson. Thirteen. Can you tell me what the Bill of Rights is? Um, what something costs, I guess. It's a good guess. Justin, you're in your high school. Yeah. Do you like your school? that's whatever. Do you know what the Bill of Rights is? It's a government
1: thing, right? Like rights that people have in America. stuff. Uh, yep. Hey, Saja? Yes? Would you please come down here a moment, sweetie? I
0: wanted to ask you a quick question. Saja just turned eight, by the way. Bill of Rights. Amendment one. Congress should make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of- Stop. Regurgitating memorized amendments isn't what I'm asking for. Just tell me something about
1: it in your own words.
0: South the Bill of Rights, we be more like China. Here at least we don't have war the searches. We have free speech, citizens are protected from cruel and unusual punishments. That's enough. Are protected. Wait a Sergeant, how would you characterize the 2010 Supreme Court decision on Citizens United? Corporations have the same rights as people, so there's no spending limit on candidates. Which means a country is ruled by corporations, and their lobbies do fund candidates and command their fealty by demanding. Jesus Christ! You made your point. We get it. It's very impressive. All of you. (laughs) (laughs) All of you. you. (laughs) (laughs) My 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 sons is my public school-educated sons as well.
1: Uh, I just I don't know I love I don't I love that scene it's so good <laughs> I don't even agree with the guys politics all of it
0: no or, or the
1: conclusions but like his kids are I mean they're they're so well educated it's
0: and he's awful. right they're they're physically fit I remember he they're like musically talented they're intelligent he's teaching them
1: everything yeah yeah uh it's it's it's, it's pretty crazy
0: um um I think you should try to leave that in if you can, but I understand if you can't, cause I don't want to get a copyright strike or whatever.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, all right, Carrie, we should wrap this up cause we've kind of meandered at, at the end, but yeah,
0: but it was fun meandering and we talked to each other like real people. And I think people enjoy that.
1: <laughs> as <laughs> opposed <laughs> to normally when we talk to each other as robots. No,
0: no, I no, I don't mean that that's uh, anyway, Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right Thanks I mean you don't, don't mind so much when it's like especially at the end if we meander okay anyway guys sorry for the meandering um what join us we'll for book club tomorrow. we'll see you tomorrow book club September 15th
1: oh yeah book club 1984 and and uh yeah pull your kids out of school or you know
0: don't read it and show up and, and then none of us will discuss it either so we're all equal